Hey, before we uh, get into the message this morning, just a couple of reminders. This Wednesday, before our Bible study, we're having ice cream. So just wanted to remind everybody about that. Been having a great turnout and great time on Wednesday night studying the book of 1 Timothy. In fact, I think I thought about this just the other day. I, I think moving forward, I need to package this series of messages in 1 Timothy and and make sure that for those that are new to the Oasis or those that want to be in some position of leadership or ministry, it's, it's a series you need to listen to first, you know, just to get. Here's how church is supposed to be done according to the Bible. So Wednesday night, Bible study and ice cream before. Then don't forget Saturday is the workshop here in the cafeteria also on how to study the Bible and get more out of your time in God's Word. As of last count, we have over 60 people coming. That's awesome. You can still come. Just sign up either on the men's table or women's table today. Let us know, and I will just say this. We will start at 10 o'clock. So make sure you are there in the cafeteria with your Bible, with your, you know, we'll we'll give you some stuff to make sure you're there by 10 o'clock. We need to get all this information in, in the time allotted, and it's going to take all of that time. So 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Then don't forget to keep these dates on your calendar. Saturday, September the 24th. Sunday, September the 25th. Strengthening the family weekend here through the Oasis ministry. We're going to be having something Saturday morning for the men and women separately. And then Saturday night, a service here, and Sunday morning, our normal service here with Pastor Miguel Olachea from Mexicali. It's going to be good to have he and his wife Carmen and his sons up with us again that weekend. And we've even got some new friends we want to introduce you to that weekend as well. So uh, as we move into the fall, a lot of exciting things are happening, and we hope that you will uh, seize the opportunity to be a part of it. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians. But while you're finding Ephesians chapter 1, also if you could find Ephesians chapter 3 verses 9 and 10, verses that we want to jump off of again this morning in our messages through the book of Ephesians. We talked last week about the fact that God has a secret plan. Some translations will translate that word mystery. We said last week, do you know what the secret plans of God are? And sad to say, many Christians today do not know what the plans or purposes of God are. Not because God is hiding them. That's not what the word secret or mystery in the New Testament means. It simply means something that God has has only chosen to reveal to us through His revelation, if you will, of His Word. So it's not something God's trying to keep from us. It's something that God has clearly revealed. But if you and I are going to know the plans and purposes of God, we've got to be people of the book. We've got to be men and women of the Bible. And again, sad to say, over the last couple generations, even in America, there are so many men and women who claim to be Christians who've neglected their reading and studying the Word of God. 
They have neglected to make it a priority to be part of a church where they are taught regularly the Word of God. Or there are many churches today that do not place a priority on teaching the Word of God regularly. And so we have all of these people that have no clue. They're totally ignorant about what are the plans and purposes of God. Because we're not digging into what He's revealed. And how can you and I fulfill the purposes and plans of God? How can we ever expect to do that if we don't know what the Word of God says concerning God's plans and purposes? So last week we saw that one of the secret plans that God has in chapter 3 of Ephesians verses 9 and 10 was that through the church, through each and every community of believers, the wisdom of God could be made known or declared to the angels in heaven the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And we saw last week where throughout, since their creation, angels have been fascinated to look into what's going on with God's people down here on earth. Remember something. Though you and I may seem inferior to the angelic realm now, one day the Bible promises us that we will, in the kingdom age and throughout eternity, rule over the angels. That's why I cringe every time even a Christian says that when when one of their loved ones or someone dies, they become an angel. No, that's actually a demotion for us. We're going to be over the angels. We're going to rule over them. So they have a great fascination into the church. And God's calling out his people saying, I want you to do church in such a way. I want you to live in such a way that you can continually make known to these, these angels in heaven when I allow them to look into what's going on, my wisdom. Now, I want to talk for just a, a moment about the word wisdom, because that's what the whole message is really going to, to center around. The word wisdom here in the original language speaks about the skillful artistry of God. That's how we need to look at this concept of God's wisdom. That we look at God as a skillful artist. That God, in a sense, is is writing a song with us. That he he is composing a poem with us. That he is sculpting a great, a great piece with us. And that's why God wants every one of us to be a part of what he's doing through the church. Because every one of us, because we are unique creations of God, adds a little bit of a different color to the body. We add a little bit different hue to what God is doing. And so we need to look at God as this skillful artist. And we are responsible to declare, as part of God's secret plan... To the angels in heaven, this skillful artistry. Well, last week we began to talk about how do we do that as the people of God. Today I want us to see different aspects of the artistry of God. And I think it will help us to understand what God is doing through the church. What God wants to do through us, the church. And maybe how we can even more skillfully, if you will, as his people, the church, Declare the wisdom of God to the angels of heaven and even to others. The first thing I want us to see is that there is a supernatural aspect to the artistry of God. 
Because remember, it is the wisdom of God, not the wisdom or artistry of man. And as we saw last week at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing through Christ. God is all about when he's at work, when this master artist, the creator of the universe, our creator, is at work. He's always in the realm of doing the supernatural. We need to keep that in mind. See, you and I as the church will not declare the wisdom of God to the angels in heaven if what we're doing as a church is what we can do. That's where too many churches, communities of believers, they they miss it. Because their activity, their service, their ministry, what they're accomplishing, what they're achieving as a group and community of believers is what they, as human beings alone, can achieve and accomplish. And that's not the artistry of God. God wants us to, to take us beyond what we can accomplish ourselves what we can achieve ourselves. He wants us to dive into and delve into the supernatural. That's what he wants to do with us individually. If we stop our lives and say, God, I I will serve you and minister for you, but I'm only going to attempt and I'm only going to, to do and accomplish what I can do. What my, you know, will, what my wisdom, what my strength can accomplish. We will always fall short of declaring the artistry of God. Because God wants to do something supernatural in us. God wants to do something supernatural through us. And when the wisdom of God is truly taking hold in a group and community of believers, there will be supernatural things happening. That's the artistry of God. Are you limiting God in your own personal life because you're not allowing him to take you where he wants to because you're only willing to go as far as you can go as a church? Are we satisfied like many churches today to just, you know, work and minister and serve and accomplish what our own hands and our own arms and our own legs could accomplish? Many churches today that exist are monuments to men, but not monuments to God. They are built with all of these buildings and facilities, and everything on those church campuses are simply monuments to what those people could do when they pulled their resources together. But it had nothing to go beyond the natural into the supernatural. And God's not interested in just what we can do. God wants to show us what He can do. In and through us. And there will always be a supernatural aspect to the artistry of God. Again, it's not the wisdom of man that God wants to make known to the angels in heaven. It is the wisdom and artistry of God. It's what God can do, you see. Are we allowing God to take us beyond ourselves? And to only accomplish and achieve things that when we all look at it, when others look at it, they go, there was no way any human beings could have done that. Only God could do that. Which leads to the next aspect of the artistry of God. And that is the surrender aspect. Keeping in mind that he's the great artist. 
If you go to chapter 1 of Ephesians and you look at verse 11 and verse 14, you will see a similar phrase. A phrase that describes you and I as the children of God. We are called there twice in Ephesians 1, God's own possession. Do you see that in verse 11 and verse 14? God's own possession. Which again reminds us that when we become followers of Jesus Christ, we're not our own. At least we're not supposed to be. We are then supposed to live a life of surrender to the master artist. We are again to let him paint our life and the life of our church the way he wants to paint it. We are to let him compose the song of our life and the life of our church the way he wants to compose it. We are to allow him to sculpt our life the way he wants to sculpt it. It's why throughout the Bible, you see this picture of God as the potter and those who follow him as the clay. And we are encouraged as the clay to be pliable, to be workable in the master's hands. Here's what God wants to do. Will we surrender to his artistry and let God do it? See, that ties in with the whole supernatural thing. It's just like Peter. God wanted to show Peter and his early followers, I'm not interested in what you guys, the 12 of you can achieve. I want to show you and I want you to start to believe in what I can do through you. That's why he called Peter out to walk on the water. It wasn't just to have some show It wasn't just to do a miracle for miracle's sake. It was a life lesson for Peter and the other disciples. It was to show them, I am the master artist. I am the all-wise God. Let me begin to do supernatural things in and through you that only I, God, can do. So that when people look at our lives and the life of our church, they see the fingerprints of God all over us, not our own fingerprints. They see the artistry and skill of God in our lives, not our own. But in order to do that, we need to surrender. We need to realize we are God's own possession. And as his possession, we need to say to God, God, you paint my life however you want. You sculpt my life however you want. You write my life the way you want to write it. I am yours. And we saw last week that the will of God is always God's best offer to his people. When you and I surrender to the will of God, there is no better offer that we could ever have from anyone else. He always offers us what is best for us, what fits us, what will fulfill and satisfy us more than anything else. The rub is to surrender to it. To remember that we are God's own possession and if we truly do trust His artistry, then we will put ourselves into the hands of God and say, God, you mold me and make me whatever you want. You do with my life whatever you You do with this church whatever you want, God, because you are the master artist. And when we begin to allow the supernatural to take place in our midst, when we, when we try to stop controlling things ourselves and wrapping even our, being able to wrap our minds and, and arms around things and let God be God... And let him begin to work. Then you and I as a community of believers can begin to declare to the angels in heaven, this is the skillful artistry of God. This is what it looks like. There's another aspect of the artistry of God here in Ephesians 1. 
It is the simplistic or simplicity aspect of his artistry. So often, we as Christians and as churches make things much more complicated than what God has. We actually complicate things. God has simplified his plan, his program, his will, and his artistry. And he's done it in this way. I want you to go down to verse 9 and 10 of Ephesians 1. Where we pick it up that Paul is again saying to these Christians in Ephesus. God did this. He did what? Well, he, he began to, to reveal to us uh, things through Christ. He did this so that he could reveal to us ultimately the secret of his will according to his good pleasure, that he set forth in Christ. Now, follow verse 10. Toward the administration of the fullness of the times, and here's the key, to head up all things in Christ. The things in heaven and the things on earth. Notice the Bible doesn't say that God's plan was to head up some things in Christ. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say he had a plan to sum up or head up most things in Christ. No, that's not what it says. It says in my Bible that God's artistry was to head up all things in Christ. What it means is that God has said, I'm gathering up everything. Everything good, everything of value, everything of worth, everything fulfilling, everything satisfying, everything eternal, and I'm plopping them in Christ. Therefore, when you and I have Christ, as we talked about last week, we've got everything. Everything. Because he's gathered all that's worthwhile in Christ. And if we don't have Christ, then we really don't have anything that is ultimately of greatest value and worth in our lives. And we certainly, if we're not connected to Christ and we're not in Christ, then one day everything that you and I did live for, anything that a human being like that lives for, is simply temporary. It will not last. Because the only things the Bible says that are eternal, are those things that have been headed up or gathered up in Christ by God. If you and I want to be involved in eternal things, things that really matter, things that will last, things that will count millions and billions of years from now, then we have to be in Christ. But obviously, this is a principle that a child can understand. In Christ, I have all things. I have all things. Anything that I would ever want, anything that I would ever need can be found in Christ. So if I have Jesus, I have everything. If I don't have Jesus, I really don't have anything. That's the simplicity of the artistry of God. That's why Paul said to the Colossians, he said, do you realize that in Jesus, 
dwells all the fullness of the deity in bodily form. And then he goes on to say to the Colossian Christians, and you are filled in him. You are complete in him. That's why the psalmist David says, the Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. There's nothing I really need or want because I've got Jesus. I've got everything. Oh, for us to begin to live that out. Because so many Christians today say, I have Christ, but I'm looking for something else. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not getting it. Yeah, I have Jesus. I'm glad I have Jesus, but let me say something. It should never be, I have Christ, but there should never be a but there. For a Christian, Paul is saying, God in his artistry gathered and headed up everything in Christ. That's why throughout chapter 1, you keep seeing the phrase, in Christ, in him. Notice in verse 1, in Christ Jesus, I alone can be faithful. In Christ, verse 3, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, I have been chosen, verse 3. Notice he goes on to say in verse 7, in him, I've been redeemed. I've been set free. I've been delivered. I've been liberated and I've been forgiven, but it's only in Christ. He goes on to say in, in the next few verses, and it's only in Christ that God is able to give me supernatural wisdom and insight into his plan so that I have a clarity of what God is doing. It's only in Christ over and over and over again. In fact, down in verse 12, in verse 13, he says, when you believed in Christ, then you were given the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. God's guarantee of all that he's promised you that is yet to come. Over and over again in the first 14 verses of of Ephesians 1, he keeps saying, this is what we have in Christ. And this is what we have in him. And do we realize the riches and wealth and abundance that we have in Christ? As Christians, we've got to stop thinking that, that, that I have Christ and I'm looking for something else. What we have to start doing is recognizing and realizing and appreciating what we already have in Christ. And discovering it too. Which is why he says, are we living as blessed people? Because we've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. In the heavenly realms. So we've seen the supernatural aspect. We've seen the surrender aspect. We've seen the simplicity aspect. I want you to see the surety aspect. What I mean by that is that if God has resolved to do something, if God has determined to do something, if God has planned to do something and promised to do something, it will happen. That's the artistry of God. That's why we can live so confidently. That's why we can have hope because our hope isn't in anything that man says or man does or anything like that. We are placing our hope in the very sure and certain character and word of God. And we understand that the Bible says that whenever God is involved with something, it's sure and it will stand. Notice this aspect. Let's go back and pick it up in verse 11 of Ephesians 1. In Christ, we too have been Claimed as God's own possession. 
Since we were predestined according to the one purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will. Paul's basically saying, guess what? If God said he's going to do something, he does it because he accomplishes. He achieves everything he sets out to do. There's never been a time since we obviously came to an understanding that God even exists where God says, I'm going to do that. And then somewhere along the line, I went, you know what? I don't think I can make that happen. I don't think I have the ability or the capability or the power to bring that about. Never. Never. Anything God sets out to do, he's able to do. That's the surety of this great artistry and wisdom that God has. Listen to a couple of these verses from the Old Testament. And I think these are especially important in the day and age in which we live. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord frustrates the decisions of the nations. And he nullifies the plans of people. But the Lord's decisions stand forever. His plans abide throughout the ages. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. I love that. We're so worried about what the nations are doing and and the, the, the plans and decisions that people are making, even in leadership. The Bible says, if it's of man, forget it. God will frustrate their decisions. He will nullify their plans. All the things that, you know, they think they're going to achieve and think they're going to get out of life. No. No. That's why I love what this one Pharisee says to his other fellow Pharisees in the book of Acts. Whenever they're harassing the the apostles and they're trying to shut them up about Jesus Christ and all of that. And he finally says, guys, stay away from them. He says, if this plan or this undertaking originates with men, it will come to nothing. But if it is from God, it cannot be stopped. That's the surety of the artistry of God. That's why Jesus could say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will always have some community of believers out there somewhere doing things the way I want them done. It may not be a lot, but but there will always be a prevailing remnant because I promised it. And I will oversee it. It will happen. And we can take that to the bank. Isn't it great to be connected to the artist of the universe that you know the things that he does are sure and certain? And that's what can connect us with what really matters and what's really worth it and what's really valuable and what ultimately is eternal and will last long beyond this life. In fact, even this past week, I saw a special that they were doing on the monuments in Washington, D.C. and how they're decaying. So they've got this basically black stuff that's forming all over these monuments. And they they don't even really know what it is or how to clean them. And I thought to myself, well, that's because they're monuments to men. They're going to eventually disintegrate and decay and they won't even be around. It's only what we do for Christ that will last. The surety of the artistry of God. After we see that, I want you to see something amazing. I want us to just look for a moment at the stimulus aspect of all this artistry. And what I mean by that is simply 
what motivated God to do all this in the first place? I want you to look at a couple of amazing phrases out of Ephesians 1. Look at verse 4. Or I'm sorry, verse 5. Where he says that we were adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ according to the pleasure of his will. Notice that he repeats that same phrase at the end of verse 9, according to his good pleasure. You know why God created the universe in the first place? Do you know why God created you and me? Do you know why God brought about the church and, and, and is doing all this? Why? Because he wanted to and it brought him great delight. It had nothing to do with he had to. You see, you and I have to understand as human beings that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have always been, and they were, and always are, perfectly happy and content and self-existent within themselves. And they could have been always eternally existing and totally happy and totally content and totally fulfilled and satisfied without ever creating anything else. Everything that God did, He simply did because He wanted to, and it brought Him great delight to do so. Wow. You and I wouldn't have to be here. But we're here simply because it was God's good pleasure. I'm still alive because it's God's good pleasure. It's all because of God. And when you and I think about that, we think, wow, God. You did all this just because you wanted to? That was your motivation? It brought you great joy and delight to create me? It brought you great delight and pleasure to love on me? To die for me? To want a relationship with me? To want to spend eternity with me? With me? Yeah. That's what the artistry of God is all about. Can't you begin to appreciate a little bit the wisdom of God? Which leads me to this last but very important point. And that is we must begin to see the sensibility aspect of the wisdom of God. God in all of this, just like we talked about at the beginning of Ephesians 3, 9, and 10, is looking for a group of people who get it. Who get Him. Who begin to recognize him and, 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 and appreciate him and, and understand what he's done, what he's doing, what he wants to do. Do we get it? Which is why three times in Ephesians 1 and verse 6, we are existing to the praise of his glory. In verse 12, we are existing to the praise of His glory. At the end of verse 14, we are existing to the praise of His glory. We talked last week about God wants us to be enthusiastic worshipers who get it. Who begin to understand Him. Listen to these sobering verses out of the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, here's what Paul says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. But mankind has neither glorified Him as God nor been thankful. 
Paul is saying, here's the great indictment on human beings. We live not in our own universe that we created. We live in the universe that God, our creator, created. And we're part of that creation. And yet, how many human beings have lived through history who, though they live in something they never created, they never appreciated the God who did it, they never acknowledged Him, they never admired Him, they never even gave Him a thank you. And that's why Paul is saying, if we're going to begin as the community of believers to make known and declare to the angels in heaven the wisdom of God, it starts with us living every day, experiencing, appreciating, recognizing, being aware of the artistry of God all around us. Not just in creation, but, but just in life all over. Are we so busy with what really doesn't matter that we never, even as followers of Christ, take time to stop and go, thank you, God. Thank you for that beautiful sunrise. Thank you for that beautiful sunset. Thank you for friends. Thank you for church family. Thank you for my health today that I might keep taking for granted. Thank you for all these things to the praise of Of His glory. God is looking for people who get it. Who get Him. Who don't miss Him. Please listen to what I'm about to say. The worship team's coming, but please listen. You and I need to be cautious about something. Even as Followers of God. We can live in the blessing of God and still miss the person of God. We can live in the midst of the blessing of God and still miss the person of God. I mean, you think about how that happens every day. How many human beings live within the blessing of God's creation every day and yet... Totally miss God. How many times do we as Christians live within the blessing of being part of God's church and yet really miss God? How many times can we be busy serving and ministering for God and yet still miss God? If we miss God in all of it, we miss the most important thing. God has placed a responsibility on us as his people. A secret plan to make known his skillful artistry to the angels in heaven. Each of you, he wants you to be a part of a community of believers like the Oasis because you had add a color, you add a hue to this community that no one else can add. It, 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 Let's God begin to even do more. And he's done it all in Christ. Do we recognize it? Do we appreciate it? Do we acknowledge it? Do we admire it? 
God is calling on all of us to be growing admirers of Jesus Christ, the one we owe it all to. So let's stand this morning and let's end our worship time today by declaring to the angels in heaven that all that we are, all that we have, all that is of worth and value in our lives, all that is eternal and that will last beyond this life is only because we are in Christ. In Christ, we have everything we could ever want. Let's declare that to the angels this morning.